This is Together 24-7, episode 136. Have you been looking for a different way to increase business, a better way to get your message out there to the masses, a great way to tell the whole world, hey, I am the absolute best at what I do, a commercial's not going to do it, blogs, not everybody reads, but what about a podcast? It's worked for us. It can work for you too. Maybe you haven't done it because you're not sure what to do. We've created a couple of classes just for you. First is our 10-session self-paced online course, Zero to Launch. It's a self-study course. You download it. You do it at your own pace. And at the end of it, you are a podcaster. Our second class is a live class. We do it via internet almost a webinar style, but it's live, it's interactive, and we start them a couple of times a year. You can find the schedule at our website. So either do the self-paced course or the live course. Find out information on both at www.fifthtowersolutions.com. That's fifth, F-I-F-T-H, towersolutions.com. Welcome to Together 24-7, the show that talks to entrepreneurial couples about their business lives, their personal lives, and how to balance both without driving each other crazy. Here's your hosts, Barry and Catherine Cohen, showing how you can be business partners with your sweetheart and sweethearts with your business partner. Barry and Catherine have been married since 1996, in business together since 2003, and have survived to talk about it. I'm Barry Cohen. Welcome to Together 24-7. Who are you? You threw me off with the intro. I'm Catherine I know. Cohen. I did that on purpose. I, okay, because I wasn't paying attention to you. Kind of. But I never do. I know. Okay. So I'm Catherine Cohen. I'm one of your co-hosts. Barry Cohen is the other co-host. Here we are interviewing fabulous couples that uh, live together, work together, built a business together. And, and are still alive. And are still alive. Nobody's gotten any uh, visible bruises or anything. Today... Oh, audience, forgive me, and Gleb and Agnes, forgive me. We have Dr. Gleb Seporsky and Agnes Vizhnevkin. Woohoo! I think Perfect. I did that right. Uh, yeah, inten- intentional Insights. It is educational nonprofit organization promoting rational thinking and wise decision making. <laughs> well, that just <laughs> rational just knocks me out of the park. That's it. They've been in business together for two and a half years out of Columbus, Ohio. They are married for the last 18 years. Their children are two cats, 11 and 6. We Yay, can relate. Cats. Yay, cats. Um, so I got to, I, I got to, I have two eight and a half by 11 sheets. You know, we always ask for bio and everything, and I have two eight and a half by 11 sheets. And half of sheet one. And about a paragraph's worth of sheet two is all about Gleb. And then like... And then it says, and Agnes. You know, and then like maybe 10 lines from Agnes. So I got a lot of stuff on Gleb. I got a little stuff on Agnes. But I don't have any background information. So, you know, we know that uh, Gleb is an author, speaker, consultant, coach, scholar, social entrepreneur. And he is specializing in science-based strategies for effective decision-making. Uh, they run a nonprofit that helps people use science-based strategies to make effective decisions and reach their goal with the aim of building an altruistic and flourishing world. Uh, Gleb is passionate about two things. He is passionate about helping people think more clearly and advancing glo- global flourishing. Um, so with Agnes, they co-founded Intentional Insights in the winter of 2004. 
Gleb does have his PhD in the history of science, researching the intersection of psychology, cognitive neuroscience, and behavioral economics. So it's all about like using your brain when you make a decision. If I can, if I can just do the Reader's Digest version, using <laughs> your brain when making a decision instead of using your emotions and maybe throwing things at people. I don't know. I, it's not that I do that or anything. Um, Gleb is a tenure track professor at the Ohio State University, and he's a member of the Decision Sciences Collaborative over there. Um, Agnes, I was is his wife. Some, is his wife? Yeah, that's, that's it. it. That's it. Uh, Agnes is. Has we her, we love you, Agnes. Don't worry. Agnes I hope so. Has her MBA in nonprofit management from Brandeis University, so I'm guessing she manages the whole nonprofit end of the deal. Uh, you know, so she's got more than 10 years' experience in the nonprofit sector, um, which is not an easy sector to be in because you got everything you got to do in a corporation plus all the nonprofit stuff. Uh, she's done operations, fundraising, grant making, strategic planning, social enterprise. She also serves as the vice president of the Humanist Community of Central Ohio. She was that from 2013 to 2014. And and that is Agnes and Gleb. Guys, where are you originally from? Both of us are from the former Soviet Union, and we ended up in the United States as kids when I was 12 and Gleb was 10, completely separately. So when people ask us if we're dating back in Russia, I just kind of wonder if people think I dated when I was 12. And so our families immigrated to the United States right in the, around 90, 90, 90, 91 to get away from the situation there and uh, the various problems. So, but we've been here for 25 years, each of us separately, and then we met back in 1998. Oh, wow. So, we lived in Brooklyn, New York. In Brooklyn, yay, Brooklyn. That's where you're from, Barry. Well, Brooklyn. You, were born, you were born in Brooklyn. And I was born we say in... it's New York. Yeah. Not New York. And then you were raised on Staten Island. That's right. Okay. Oh, well. Um, I'm from Queens. Sometimes hung out in Brooklyn. All right, so so a statement and um, and a question. Uh, statement is: We now live in Arizona, and dating at ten and twelve years old and being married or having children by fourteen is not uncommon here in the state of Arizona. Yay, AZ, and um, and just you know, FYI. And so, what part of the former Soviet Union are you actually from? I'm from the Republic of Moldova, okay. so which was a part of the Soviet Union and is right now an independent country. And Agnes is from Moscow, so the heart of the Soviet Union itself. And we were just in St. Petersburg a couple of months ago. It was very oh, lovely. Fun. It was very lovely. Extremely cold for the summertime, but very lovely. Mm. So it's a beautiful place. It it is. It's it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. It's some place that, you know, as as kids in our age group, anyway, um, it, you never imagined that you could go there um, to any part of the Soviet Union. You never imagined that you'd be allowed there because you know of what was going on when we were growing up in, in our history. And we're a little bit it. older than you. Guys. We're a little bit of, older than you guys. So that's pretty cool. So um, tell us a little bit uh, how and why you started in this business together, and a little bit about what it's all about. What exactly you guys are doing and hope to achieve. So we started this business officially in the winter of 2014, but for a couple of years before that, Gleb was doing quite a lot of research in the science of rational thinking and cognitive neuroscience, um, 
behavioral economics, kind of all the science behind why we make the decisions that we do, why sometimes we make irrational decisions. And we would have kind of long conversations for hours on many evenings, and they would always end up with the same thing, me saying, oh my gosh, that's like the best stuff ever, and then why didn't I learn this in high school? And after having these discussions for days and weeks and months, and kind of lamenting the fact that no one learns this stuff in school and many people never learn this information and at the same time how helpful it is for improving our lives we kind of started exploring and seeing if anyone out there is trying to bring this research kind of and break it down for like the regular people because again I was getting most of it from GLAB I was doing a little reading on the side but not that much because honestly, no matter how many letters I have after my name, probably not the way that I choose to spend my time reading a lot of dense books. And I'm happy to be upfront about that. So as we were figuring out that this information is so helpful and so wonderful, and it was really improving our relationship uh, with each other, our relationships with other people, our decisions in our everyday life, and we started exploring whether other organizations are doing this and whether they're specifically trying to make this information accessible to, you know, the everyday people. And as we learned that it wasn't, that's when we uh, launched Intentional Insights in the winter and spring of 2014. And so what we do is we create content that's based on all this advanced research and all these strategies that are not easily out there for people to find. So we create articles, videos, we publish in a variety of online venues like Time, Salon, Huffington Post, Psychology Today, and most of this writing is done by Gleb. We also have some other volunteers helping us out and doing a great job. So that's kind of what we do. We educate folks about the stuff that is vastly improving our lives, and we hope they can improve their lives and their communities, and hopefully our society as all. That that is some interesting stuff, and you and are you guys working perhaps on a um, like a program to help teach people this? Because I personally don't read. Let's see, Truth Out, Life Hack. Wait, there were some really really good ones. Huffington Post, yeah, I read that. Uh, Psychology Today, no. Skeptic Examiner. I am not a big reader of Skeptic Examiner. So, are you guys? Um, Inquirer. That that's sort of the inquirer. No, yeah. no, oh, oh I see. There's there's skeptic inquirer and skeptic examiner. No, see, yeah, skeptic examiner. Yeah, there's I'm two right. of them. There's, I'm right. I know. There's I'm two right. Of them. Okay, there's two of them. I see Make that. an informed decision. Make an informed decision. So, are you guys working on any sort of programs or, or or teaching things for you know for the rest of us with no letters after our name? We we definitely are. So we already we're working on books that are aimed for a broad audience. So, for example. I wrote a book, Find Your Purpose Using Science, which popularizes the research on purpose and meaning and how you find that and broadcast that, so publish that for a broad audience. And also, we create short videos. Uh, Agnes just actually created a cool video that she can share with you about about the election season and how to make rational decisions about politics. So let me shoot that to her for her to tell you about. Yeah, so... One of the things that we try to do to invite just everyday average people to uh, learn about the stuff that we publish is we're starting to make some short and fun videos. And so 
one of the topics that we're adding to what we're working on is po- rationality in politics, given the election campaign that just concluded and some strong feelings in the wake of the campaign. And so I decided to uh, take advantage of my Russian accent that I can still access. And uh, I took on a persona as Natasha from Russia. And I changed my hair. I changed my <laughs> I put on some glasses. And I did a, about a five and a half minute video talking in a very thick Russian accent. And basically complaining that my adopted country of the United States is becoming awfully similar like what used to happen in the former Soviet Union with... Uh, politicians kind of ignoring the truth and manipulating us and at the same time introducing some concepts of uh, how we think and how our feelings uh, help us or hurt us in making decisions. So that was kind of fun and no matter what kind of websites you read, if you read Psychology Today or not, uh, you can easily follow Intentional Insights on Facebook and Twitter and all of our content is out there. We're starting to make memes and fun images all of our videos, so that's as easy as just logging to Facebook, which many of us do way too many times a day, probably. Probably, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know I'm know, i guilty of that, but that's cool that you're taking this stuff and, and bringing it down to a level where, you know, people can understand it and, and, you know, for important stuff like, you know, from the election to what you're doing in your business to, you know, how you're making decisions with your spouse, significant other, family, whatever, so that's pretty cool. Now, yeah, and that's like that's our goal to help people make better decisions and improve their lives in all the areas of their lives, and so that's exactly our goal. You can't, you said it really well. Yeah, uh, decision making based on spite is uh, probably not one of the top ten ways to make decisions, and we'll just move on from that topic. So, <laughs> guys, the moment you decided, because you you, it sounds like you started this as a conversation that you were having you started this as an interesting conversation that you were having that you then moved into business together so when was the moment that you realized you could create this business you could create this educational organization and run it together and not ruin your relationship so that's a good question i'll take this one i think uh, it was when we were examining so we Agnes told you how we made the decision to actually go forward, that we decided that there's nobody else doing this stuff, and this is really important stuff, and it should be done. And if there was nobody else doing it, we should try to do it. Then we tried to do it. We had a number of conversations where we were figuring out, well, how are we going to collaborate together? Because that's a difficult thing. I'm coming from perspective of being in academia, Agnes is coming from perspective of being in the real world. <laughs> so we were trying to figure out how to collaborate together. And one of the really interesting strategies comes from intentional insights. And again, all of our content is on intentionalinsights.org for people who want to check it out, is the concept of meta. Uh, so META, it refers to going above and outside. Going meta involves going above the conversation, and Agnes and I were noticing that we were having a number of tensions about our interactions, and we didn't know exactly why they were coming about, so we went meta and we examined what's going on there. And we found that Agnes is really oriented toward avoiding risks, and I am much more oriented toward, well, let's just do it and try and see what happens, and what are the costs? And 
there was this one particular incident about when when we're starting up the business, when we decided, when we're discussing whether we should hold a workshop at our house as a minimal viable product, so MVP, to see whether things would actually work or not. And she was like, well, we need to get really prepared and make sure everything is perfect and only then schedule it. And I was like, no, don't worry. We can just schedule it and then prepare for the event as uh, we are going forward. And there were a lot of tensions, a lot of conflict in that discussion, and we went meta. We went meta and we said, well, what's actually going, what's actually going on? And we talked about her desire to avoid risk and my comfort with risk that was minimal. So having a lean startup approach of failing small, and the lean startup is just generally an approach to creating a business where you focus on learning as you go and failing small in order to get information, experimenting and getting information. And so we decided that through that conversation, we decided that this was a good way of gaining information about whether people would actually come and pay money to learn about this. And so we charged $15 for people to come to our house and learn about this topic. And we got a bunch of people to come. We got something like, what, 15 people to come and we prepared for it in time, and we got money from them, so we proved to ourselves and to other participants who were interested in this that this is a viable business, that we can actually make money from this, and we can also convey this information, and it went fine, and we did a presentation, both of us, and it went fine, so we proved to ourselves that it can be done. And, and and I think beyond the, <laughs> you know, beyond the um, how you how you do risk and everything, I, I think that's a commonality because, you know, Barry's like, oh, well, we'll just shove everything. We're having company. We'll just shove everything into my office and, you know, we'll go through it later. And I'm like, no, everything has to be put away exactly where it needs to be because on Monday after the company leaves and we got to go through your office. We can't find anything. So I, I think that's that's such a valid conversation to have, and that's such a valid thing that people don't realize. I know there's a book so many of our guests have read. It's called The Five Love Languages. And for me, just the name of the book is a little bit of a turnoff. And, and for our past guests who love that book, I don't know, the name is just a little bit. But I, you and I, Barry, are into science. Yes, we are. So, you know, so this is like, okay, it's the scientific background of it, and here's how we can prove it and all this other stuff. So I, I like that. I like that that approach to, to everything, to what you guys are doing. So now, who does what with this company? Agnes, you said a little bit earlier that uh, Gleb does a lot of the writing, and you're the nonprofit person. But, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, day-to-day what you guys are doing? Do you participate together in research? Do you, one takes care of the books and the other one takes care of the creativity? How does that work for you guys? Sure. So I have worked in the nonprofit sphere for over 10 years in a variety of different organizations. None of them were as small as what we're doing right now. And so that's a, uh, it's, it's needed to be adjusted. So I kind of come from the a nonprofit perspective and say, okay, this is how things should be set up. This is a good way to manage things. And that is where I can support Gleb because that's not something that he has experienced in the past. Being Having a career as an academic and as a professor, he was kind of, I think you referred to yourself as an entrepreneur, like an academic entrepreneur where you 
do your own research and you publish your own papers and books, you teach, you travel to conferences. And so how do you get multiple people to work together? That's kind of, I was bringing that structure. And at the same time, Gleb definitely has the expertise. So he's the public face of the organization and he is the creator of most of the content and he takes the lead on setting strategy. And then we kind of, a big role that we take is kind of an informal role when we figured out that I have this deep aversion to risk and I've been working to reduce it. And he has this, you know, unusual comfort with risk. And so Gleb is willing to try where I might try 10 things and, you know, nearly have a heart attack if I think one of them might fail. Gleb would try 100 things and 10 of them would fail. And I would be like mortified. But in the end, 90 things succeeded. And I try to not be upset with the 10 things that failed, even though I would never even try 10 times. So I try to be like the devil's advocate and see, look at all the things that go wrong, which I can do basically in my sleep. And then Gleb also looks at all the things that go right. And he is trying to also be more cognizant of risk. And so we have these kind of, we make, we found that we make a good match as far as some of our leadership and management qualities. And so that's kind of the different things that we do. Uh, yeah, that's kind of how it break, breaks up. How it shakes right out. And one quick question for you, because I know I have to do this with Barry. He's a tech guy. Um, sometimes when Gleb is writing or talking or whatever, are you the person, because this doesn't seem to be your realm of, of I don't want to say expertise, but your your realm of tech and understanding or or um this was this is this deep, is not deep your, knowledge. This is not your area of deep deep knowledge. Are you the one who says to Gleb, um, if I can't understand it, the people you're trying to speak to really can't understand it. Like, do you translate from geek to English for for Gleb? That's actually an excellent question. It's not so much translating from geek to English. I don't think it's quite so harsh, but we definitely did have work have take a lot of time to work through this because Gleb is an excellent writer and he's written books, he's written multiple articles and chapters and he can write all day long. I, I personally don't like writing myself and I stare at a blank screen all day long until I get some emergency assistance. But Gleb's writing is very dense and he uses a lot of jargon and like I understand most of it because we've been talking about this stuff for many years. But since the very underlying purpose for us even starting this organization is to help everybody else understand it. It really has to be uh, taken back multiple notches. And so poor, poor Gleb worked really, really hard and he was deeply pained and he did a great job to where now, you know, I had to very heavily edit multiple things and he was very upset that I was taking out his perfect sentences. And I said, no, that needs to be three sentences, not one sentence. And half of these words need to go away because that's not how people speak. And so... We had to break down an article into four articles, break down a sentence into three sentences. And so now Gleb's writing gets very easily and quickly accepted into all sorts of places like Time and Salon, precisely. And we take that as a sign that he adjusted his writing style, which for him was extra difficult coming from academics writing for each other, right, towards writing for the everyday person that might not have even finished high school. And we want them to take away all this awesome knowledge that we think is the best knowledge ever, so... I, I feel your pain, Agnes. I, I know what you're doing. I know what you absolutely do. It's all for the mission. It's all for the business, right? It's, it's, it's why we do what we do. So it's, it was an important change. And Gleb was going to say something. Yeah. Uh, so 
I want to hit on another aspect of the division of labor, and that is the question of money. So money is, of course, very important in actually getting a business going, nonprofit or for-profit, whatever. So one of the things I do in order to get the money for the organization is doing consulting for companies and for the last couple of years. And that's something that I've had to learn about also for the process that Agnes was describing, you know, not getting jargon, not doing jargon, not doing, talking to people in a way that would be helpful for them. So that was complex as well. But right now we have, or I do this only, so I have a lot of clients. I go to businesses and nonprofits and help them work through various kinks that are going on that are based on poor or suboptimal, let's say, decision-making processes and emotional engagement. Uh, I can tell you about a client I have right now. It's a company that has a lot of engineers who are really passionate about engineering stuff in welding and so on, but they don't know how to do marketing well, and they're not really passionate about marketing. So they hired me to go in and encourage engineers to be passionate about marketing, and they were previously trying to do it through telling engineers, hey, you really need to do marketing, it's for the benefit of the business, and engineers just weren't buying it. But when I reframed that conversation to tell engineers, well, hey, look, if you do marketing, then you have more opportunities to share the things that you're excited about, to share the engineering knowledge that you have with a lot of new clients. And as you know, the thing that geeks really love to talk about is the things that they are really passionate about, about you know welding. So if I can talk to engineers and say, hey, if you do this marketing, you'll have a lot more con- opportunities to talk about welding and solve problems, which is what these geeky engineers love to do. And previously, the company didn't know, wasn't able to motivate its, its engineers to do marketing. And now they're much more capable of doing so. So the company is really moving forward and progressing. And that's why they pay me the money to do it. And this is one way that the nonprofit organization that we have actually makes its money. That, that's terrific. And I think something that people need to realize also is a nonprofit company does not mean you don't make any money. So let's make sure our listeners are clear on that. Nonprofit does not mean non-money. You can still make money right. and have a nonprofit. Right. You have to you have to pay your people. Um, not everybody is a volunteer. And and then let's move into something a little bit different here. Tell us some of the joys that you two experience being together all the time, working on the business together, living together. What what are some of the joys that you have discovered? Uh one of the things that I've experienced, and I have to say that Gleb was the first towards the very beginning in the few, first few months saying that he's very excited about this project, especially it was very difficult in the first few months, that he's looking forward to how it will uh, improve our relationship. And at the time, to me, this was nothing but a massive weight on our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Because we would spend hours and hours every day discussing these things, doing these meta conversations, exploring how we feel and why we feel this way and how we should talk differently just so that we can move forward to the next step step and talk about how we feel about that and how we should work that out. But now, two and a half years later, 
this has definitely become an integral part of our relationship because it's something we work on together every single day. We talk about it. We learn about each other. We learn about all these different areas of each other's personality that we would not have had a reason to explore otherwise, perhaps. And looking around and thinking how many other kind of couples uh, work together and uh, move through their lives is that many people have children and raising children, that is a huge project if you ever had one and a huge and incredibly important job where you can be co-parenting your child or children. And that is not something we chose to have as part of our life. So we do not have children. Parenting cats is not very difficult because they don't speak back to you and you don't need to worry about, I don't know, long-term impacts. But in any event, we do have now this collaborative project of this Intentional Insights nonprofit, as well as the consulting, but mostly the nonprofit. And we kind of see that we can make a better world. We can help people be happier. And it's positive, And we are learning more about each other. And so our relationship has become a lot richer. And in addition, as we figure out the different communication challenges in our work, because we have to communicate so much more and there's so much more writing on our good communication, you know, this carries over into the rest of our relationship. So now if we have to maybe make personal decisions, now we know, for example, that I'm risk averse, too risk averse, and Gleb has too little risk aversion. And so all of these things really benefit our relationship as well. So that would be, I think, to me, the, really the biggest thing. And tell us one or two things that you two do to separate your family time from your business time. Yeah, so something that we've learned about from uh, those few early months that Agnes was talking about when we had so much stress around our business interactions was that it's vital to have that separation and as part of our meta conversations, the conversations about how we manage our relationships and our interactions, we decided to have separate check-ins devoted specifically to the business and to not talk about the business outside of those check-ins. So every time that we sit down with each other, we have a check-in that lasts maybe 15 minutes or maybe an hour, depending on the topic and what's going on, where we specifically talk about the business and what's going on there, and sometimes longer, if there's a longer conversation to be had. But then we don't talk about the business outside of those times. We don't do like a casual, oh, hey, how's this thing going in the business? We're like, okay, like, unless it's an emergency, email me and we can have conversations that way, but we don't talk about it casually and lightly outside of that check-in. And yeah. I just wanted to have, say something as well. Yeah, so in addition to that, also what we do is we take one day per week where we don't work and we actually do not use our devices at all. And so that's a way for both of us to disconnect from our work and also to get enough rest for our physical health and for our mental health and our well-being. So one day a week we in the evening we actually remove all the clocks from our walls. We turn off our phones and we turn off the internet and we go a whole 24 hours without using computers. And so that helps us reconnect. We avoid talking about work and we kind of rest up. And so that helps us have at least one day a week so that the rest of the six days we're working and the one day we rest. And that separates and reminds us that we kind of have a relationship and we find other things to talk about, hard as that may be. 
that is quite the challenge. I, I don't, we, we take some time off and we go in the yard and we play with our chickens and the garden and everything, but I don't know that I could totally disconnect. Because then if you totally disconnect from the internet, how am I going to take pictures of the chickens and put it out on Facebook? <laughs> that, that could be a problem for you. That could be you. a problem. So, so for your sake, we will not disconnect, okay? Okay. There you not go. Not completely. <laughs> and by the way, boys and girls in our listening audience, just remember, check with your CPA because sometimes when you talk about your business at dinner for five or ten minutes, it can maybe be a write-off. But don't take my advice. Check with your CPA first. <laughs> nice disclaimer. Nice disclaimer. <laughs> now, are there any books that either of you have read that have really made an impact on your business life that you'd like to share with our listeners? Hmm. I think the best book that we've read on the business life overall would be the Lean Startup book. So Lean Startup is, has been really helpful for us. What the book is about is how to start up um, a business any sort of business organization that helps you be really oriented toward experimenting and being figuring out through small failures what actually works and not make a big plan in advance and just imagine it will work and then roll it out. So what you do is you do small rollouts of new products that are going to give you information about what the marketplace actually wants and what the marketplace actually doesn't. So that's been very helpful, especially with Agnes's uh, risk aversion. <laughs> and, and I was say, saying, well, hey, what you can do is you can do the lean startup and fail small many times rather than take a huge risk and then think it's going to go perfectly and then it, it just like really messes up and that's really bad. Yes, yeah, so I had to convince myself that as afraid I am of, failing small, I'm completely horrified at failing big. The other thing in Lean Startup is that you try small things. You don't just ask people, hey, would you attend this workshop? You actually have a workshop and see if people attend. Because people will tell you, oh, I totally go to your workshop. But then they won't. Yeah, so they have to cough up the money. Yeah. And so if they do, then you run an experiment, then you can assess the experiment. And if they don't, well, then you messed up. And you didn't mess up, actually. Every time you get information and it's an experiment. And so you kind of do a little things and you don't, and that's how you learn. So it's very iterative and it's in many steps. And it also has to be, you have to be willing to have it be like just good enough, not perfect. Because if you're going to be trying out and experimenting with little new products or services all the time, they just have to be barely good enough. And so that was very stressful for me, but it's definitely helped us grow much, much faster than we would have otherwise. Yeah, I think and that's so, some great advice because when you, when you, Try to get everything absolutely perfect. You're never going to start, ever. You're never going to get off the ground. So, uh, Gleb, good for you for forcing that on Agnes. We appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think we actually, yeah, I beg your pardon. I just want to correct. We, would, we don't force things on each other. <laughs> I'm just going to go on the record. Uh, the reason Gleb lives in this house is that because he never forces anything on me. <laughs> and the reason I live in this house is because I never force anything on him. So that's also a part of our Except relationship. you're loving Aww. Oh, you're going to pay for this so much. You're going to sleep on the couch for the next week. <laughs> <laughs> this is just too funny. Oh, yeah, gosh. you throw that up on yourself. But anyway, we just uh, make a, a very important part of our relationship and of our collaboration that uh, to be peers and to be equals. And so also, and to have consent, not just in bed. Absolutely. That kind of leads into the next question, which is if you would give our listeners just one piece of advice, what would that be? 
I think it would definitely be along the lines of what Gleb was saying earlier to be the meta conversation, the conversation about the conversation. So to be explicitly and specifically have times to talk about it. So for example, we had a business discussion, we planned a workshop, and after that, maybe take a break, have some tea, and then say, okay, uh, how did that conversation go? And then have a space to share my feelings. I said, well, you know, my feelings were that I was very anxious. I had a lot of anxiety because you were encouraging us to have this thing and it was not going to be perfect or anything even close. And so I felt upset. And then Gleb would be, well, I was very anxious because you were so resistant. And so we can have a safe space to talk about these topics. Then we'd say, okay, why did that happen? Say, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm risk averse and maybe you're on the direct opposite. So how can we talk about this in the future? Yes, Gleb, please be nice to me and be kind and gentle and just help me move along because I have a personal goal of becoming less risk averse and kind of vice versa. And having those check-ins and having a specific time and place where we can safely talk about our feelings and how we can be more effective in the future and have that open, you know, specific time just for that. And that, I think, is uh, something It's like doesn't come naturally. And it's really difficult to do as well. And I think a lot of times uh, that's what kind of professional therapists and couples counselors do. And so if folks have trouble managing that, I would definitely encourage folks to seek outside help uh, to become stronger. I think in our society, a lot of times it's like, I'm only going to go to a mental health professional if I'm ill. I think we should be more of the mind that I'm going to go there to go stronger. I don't go to the gym because I got sick. I go to the gym so I can be stronger. And so we can have support in our emotional, mental well-being to become stronger. And sometimes just an outside person is needed, and that's all, and that's fine. That speaks volumes for the person who's willing to get that support. And that's great advice for our listeners. You should all take heed of that. Uh, Meta conversations is something that I have actually never heard of before, but it's going to be pretty interesting to see uh, where it all goes when I start really digging into your website. That should be fun. Now let's move away from business and go into a little fun stuff. The food round. So tell us, guys, what is your favorite meal to cook together or what is your favorite meal at your favorite restaurant? Hmm, let's see. So I think my favorite meal uh, at uh, our favorite restaurants, we've discovered a new sushi place nearby that we really like. And my favorite meal there is the sushi buffet for whatever it is, like $22, <laughs> and that's awesome. Dangerous, that's dangerous. It's awesome, but also say. like very dangerous. So I think I, we have to use, uh, it's great and very tasty, but we have to use a lot of strategy to like not overeat. <laughs> a lot of willpower, which is one of the things we talk about at Intentional Insights, how do you manage your willpower? So Agnes and I serve as accountability buddies for each other, kind of checking in on each other's eating, like, oh, how are you, how are you with your eating and so on. It's very atypical, like it's not normal to, for people to go out to, to a buffet to just check in with each other and serve as accountability buddies to say like, oh, hey, how are you doing with your eating? Because it kind of feels awkward and maybe defensive, but we are able to do so because we know each other and we practice these strategies that we got from Intentional Insights to be able to have that accountability as part of our meta conversations. Now that's, and that's something yeah. to add to. Yeah, oh, sure. and I wanted to say that if and if without preparation we went and Gleb said, "Oh, how are you doing when you're eating?" I might get offended because are you telling me I ate too much? 
what's wrong with you? That is so offensive. But because before going to a buffet, we both know that we love sushi. We both know that it's easy to overeat. So we made an agreement before to support each other in our goal to not overeat. And so there, when it's check-in, we agreed what we would do. Like, hey, are you okay? I'm like, you know, I only wanted to eat four rolls, but now I'm on number six. So, you know, I'm going to stop right now. And so uh, the preparation, it really matters. And so that's why it might be weird to someone else, but because we discussed it in advance. What's interesting is Catherine and I go to an all-you-could-eat sushi place over here. Same $22, but we, we have a different conversation. Our conversation is, did you get your $22 did, worth? Did we eat? No. It's, 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 uh, it's 22 plus 11. It's $33. So you have to eat $22 worth plus half of the other one with, you know, because then, then you got a bargain, then you got a deal, and that would be $33 worth of sushi, which, by the way, you know, for those people who don't eat sushi, it's really not too difficult to do because those rolls, mm-hmm. you know, those rolls are expensive. It adds up. It quick. adds up, but it's good. You know, it, it, it's, it's a great way of, of helping each other through, I think, um, through something, especially if you're, you know, trying, intentionally trying to watch what you're eating or eat better or things like that. So I, I think that's pretty cool. And the last question in the food round is red, white, or beer? Uh, I'm going to say other. I'm going to say the uh, other. I'm going to say wait. Other. It's, hold on. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. I'm going to say the other is clear, but it's not like when we interview people that say clear and say water. I think the other is clear and something that we keep in the freezer. Agnes, am I right? It's not vodka. Oh, dang. <laughs> you know, I'm a very bad Russian because I have never in my life, I'm 37 years old, I've never had a shot of vodka. I've had Which, plenty you know, vodka for you. Is an, uh, in Russian, water is vada, and so vodka is kind of like little water. That explains so a lot. That explains a lot about uh, the culture, but you... Uh, so, yeah, not vodka, but uh, what we really do a lot is sometimes, and this kind of also goes a little bit to business because, you know, it's lonely at the top. And so if two people are running the organization, if one person is running a company or what have you, you're not going to count on someone else to come and pat you on the back. It's the boss's job to help their subordinates or for in our role, we have a lot of volunteers. So we encourage them. We tell them great job when we can, but no one's going to come and say that to us most of the time. So we make a point of celebrating every accomplishment and to kind of like, you know, cheer ourselves up and to encourage us. And what we usually do is we take a brownie or some chocolate cake and we take out some Irish cream and pour it over the top. (laughs) And so that's our favorite. uh, Yeah, which we kind of ran out out of Irish cream. We also had rum chata and we ran out of that. We we had a lot of celebration. We had a very uh, exciting past couple of weeks. So we need to stock up. On some of that good stuff, mm, chata and and Irish cream. Those are those are really good. Yeah, so, right over some of your favorite chocolate dessert. Oh man! All right, I gotta stop. Let's go <laughs> ahead and take a break, and when we come back, we're gonna hear about their pet peeve. Listeners, you have a business. You need a website. There are a million choices out there. So where do you turn? Well, HostGator.com has one-click WordPress installs, or you can use their drag-and-drop website builder. They also have service and support available around the clock every day of the year, so you know you're in good hands. They already have low prices, and now HostGator.com has taken it a step further for our listeners. Use promo code TOGETHER247 to get 25% off their hosting services. Don't wait. Hit pause now and sign up at HostGator.com, unless you're driving. Then wait till you get where you're going. 
Remember, use promo code TOGETHER247 to get an additional 25% off at HostGator.com. Hey, everybody. We know you love audio. Why else would you be listening to this podcast? Through Audible.com, TOGETHER247 listeners can get a free audiobook. That's a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from. Just go to www.audibletrial.com slash together. Again, the website is www.audibletrial.com slash together. And we're back. Catherine, it's pet peeve time. It is pet peeve time. And we share this pet peeve with Agnes and Gleb. We, we sh- do. We do. Well, oh, well now, now that we're in our 50s, nobody's asking anymore. But, but they used to. But they used to. So guys, what is your pet peeve? Well, our pet peeve is... Your pet peeve. Speak for yourself, okay? My pet peeve, and I think Agnes also has a pet peeve about it, is when people ask us about having children. Oh, yeah. I it's do like share that. so presumptuous. Jeez, like, really... Not asking, like... Presum- presumptuously. Presuming that we're going to have kids. Presuming that we're going to have kids and being disappointed when we say that we decided not to. And I have to say, the most disappointed people are our parents, especially my parents, geez, they went all out when we... You know they might listen to this podcast. Whatever. Oh. Uh, they know my opinion. Give, uh, give they, us their email address. We'll make sure that they listen. <laughs> oh, yeah, they went all out to like try to get Agnes Knight out of children. We had like three years of arguments and debates and they really pressured and tried to emotionally manipulate us and yeah, that was just like harsh. But other people, when they ask us like, oh, hey, do you guys have kids? And we're like, no, we don't have kids. And they're like, oh, when, when are you going to have kids? And I'm like, we are not going to. We decided not to have kids. And they're like, oh, you'll change your mind someday. You're just young. You're just, you know, whatever. And that sort of attitude is so, I don't know, so ancient, so traditional. We are decided to, instead of having kids, to focus our efforts on improving the world as a whole because... If we had kids, we really wouldn't have time for this business that we want to run and all this other stuff. And we decided not to. And that's okay. And that should not be something that we get judged for. And that judging is a very negative emotional thing. Yes. And I think kind of the assumption that there's one right way, or at least that having kids is something that everyone should do. And kind of what we do with intentional insights is that we help people make decisions, but we don't know what people's goals are. We're like, well, what's your decision? Do you want to go to college? Do you want to invest your money? Do you want to change your profession? Uh, what do you want to do? It depends on what your goals are. And my goals are different than the other person's goals. And so there's this presumption, assumption in our society that has been going on for a very long time. And I think it's time for it to stop that having children is right for everyone. And I'm more than happy when my friends have children. And in fact, I want more of my friends to have kids because I think many of them are excellent parents. Since I'm not having kids, we should have more awesome kids with great parenting. But just because it's right for someone else doesn't mean it's right for me. Just because, you know, buying an SUV is not right for everyone or any kind of decision, owning a house versus renting your apartment. We all kind of decide why we make certain decisions. And it's important for us to remember that having children is a decision. And some people just choose not to, to say no, and that should not be kind of viewed, viewed as an abomination. Well, I, I have to absolutely agree with you. And, and two observations before we wrap this all up. 
One is there are lots of people out there that chose to have children and you shouldn't have. Specifically, the people on the plane when we were coming back from New York with their six screaming children. And then, well, three couples, six screaming kids. Uh, And the parents were worse. And then the other observation, and then the other little bit of advice for you, Agnes, just, just put your head down, put your hands over your eyes, sniffle in like, like, like you're about to cry and go, I, I can't I can't talk about this right now. When somebody asks you if you've had children and then just walk away, they will feel horribly for asking you if you had children and you've never Ooh. said anything. But they'll assume. But they'll assume. And they'll they will assume that I can't, which is, I think, is another thing. And my heart breaks for all the people who struggle with infertility. Absolutely. And try really hard to have kids. And anytime the topic of kids comes out, and I know some people like that, they're just like about to cry. And my heart breaks, breaks, breaks for them. How unfair for them to be asked. Exactly. Have exactly. you had kids? Well, who are you to say that I haven't been trying and spent, you know, for the past 10 years to have kids or to adopt? It's so insensitive. And then my one backup option is to say, like, why don't you have kids? I still haven't had the guts to try it, but someday I will. Because I will say, I don't have kids because I know how to use a condom. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that, guys. And so intentionalinsights.org if you want to learn more about making intentional decisions and understanding where you're coming from where your partner is coming from whether that's you know your your sweetheart your business partner or both um intentionalinsights.org plus we've got a whole lot of um facebook.com forward slash intentional insights on twitter on instagram we'll put those all up on the show notes for everybody guys gleb Agnes, Dr. Gleb, Agnes, thank you guys so much for being on this show. And thank you for, uh, for enlightening us about making decisions. Well, thank you so much for having us. We really love being on the show and chatting to you guys. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. And we'll catch everyone next Bye. time. Bye-bye. We want to thank you again for listening. Be sure to go to iTunes to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, and review it. And if you have any suggestions, just email us directly, together at together247.net. Check us out on our website at together247.net slash resources for some great ideas, resources, and offers for your business. And don't forget to click on our sponsors' links as well. Do you own a business with your sweetheart? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at guests at together247.net. And don't forget, we have a new episode every Monday and every Thursday. So go ahead and subscribe and keep on listening.